Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest happenings in the manga and anime worlds. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Great to be here, as always, Kevin. Uh, it's great to have you. Um, excited for, for this episode. In particular, we're going to be uh, reviewing a new manga series that debuted, at least here in the United States for us. Um, we got the first six chapters that were released in Japan for Gukurakikungai um, by Yudo Sano. Um, I'm glad you said that, not me, Kevin. Right? Exactly. Like <laughs> I practiced that quite a bit. <laughs> and I still feel like I got it wrong, but hopefully I got it the pronunciation as well as possible. But like I said, we are reviewing the first six chapters. This is a series that was on Jump Square Rise, actually, and it's gotten really popular in Japan. So Suisha and Shonen Jump saw it and decided to translate it for us and actually got us caught up with where it is currently being published in Japan as, as a monthly series. So we got the first six chapters. So we are going to be reviewing those uh, six chapters and seeing if it catches our attention because we've been getting a lot of new manga here, simul-publications as well. So... But before we get into the review, we're going to be doing some quick housekeeping. As always, you can follow the work Rock and I do over on the, on the manga and comic book site at concretrevolution.com. We do a lot of features and, and reviews there. Just recently, I did a whole breakdown of the most recent chapter of Kaiju number eight. So you could check out how important the events that we just saw in Kaiju number eight's most recent chapter impact the rest of the series moving forward. So you could check that out there at concretrevolution.com. And you could also find all our uh, backlog of episodes of the Manga Revolution podcast on, on, on the website at as well, or or your favorite podcast services from Spotify to Apple Podcasts and uh, any other uh, podcast service, so you can find us there. And you can also follow the Conquer Revolution on Twitter at CB Revolution and the Manga Revolution Podcast on Twitter at the Manga Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at the Kevin Linus. Rock, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rock with two Ks Revolution. Awesome. Uh, so Rock, um, before we actually get into the review for Gukuraki Guka, I wanted to actually talk to you about something that happened that, um, this past week was which was the Crunchyroll Awards um, so we just had the Crunchyroll Awards and just uh, to preface it before beforehand is that with the Crunchyroll Awards, they didn't want, I don't think, they didn't really say why they did it, but they did leave out the Fall 22 anime, which includes the Chainsaw Man and Bleach and others that premiered in the fall. I would say that they probably did it because they didn't want recency bias since this is an audience <laughs> aw- <laughs> uh, uh, voted on award. So it, uh, these are all anime that came were that came out between November 2021 and September 2022. Um, so Chainsaw Man, Bleach, and all those other animes will be out um, getting part of the nominations for 2024. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And I, th- I thought that was interesting. I thought, especially because it's an audience award. I don't know how you feel, Rock, but I thought that that was a good call because especially yes. with this past fall season that we had, I think recency bias would have played a huge factor, especially with like when you had heavy hitters like Chainsaw Man yes. and Bleach uh, yeah, coming yeah. out this past season. Anytime you have any awards uh, that is that are done by popular vote of the fans rather than by critics, you always run the risk of recency bias much more with the fans than you do with critics. So yeah. I, it was a smart, smart move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chainsaw yeah. Man can win next year's <laughs> award. It's fine. Uh, yeah, And I think Chainsaw Man has a good likelihood because mm-hmm. definitely this year, how this year is shaping up already. It feels like an isekai heavy year already. Yeah. yeah. And I, I took a look at the calendar for the rest of the year and it, that, definitely that, that that's the case. Um, right. So Chainsaw Man, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt it that it dominates this guy. Uh, next year's for country roll but um but yes some notable things for this uh spy x family did win five five awards um and attack on titan the final season part two of infinite um won six awards uh demon slayers entertainment district arc won five awards um so i thought that that was interesting just because those three 
anime specifically I did feel like the biggest ones that came out uh through through the vote that voting period that was for this country role yeah absolutely so agree. this is no surprise those would be the three anime that i would figure would be making short work of most of the competitors so this this did not shock me this is how the fans went right yeah and and those three are the, probably the most mainstream of the anime oh, yeah. that we got la- the, yeah. in the last year to uh not not counting chainsaw man obviously but yeah it feels like that one was that outside of your own circles of like the fans of those animes or those manga series there those are the ones that reach a larger audience i feel like a- a- absolutely big they're big and- big manga attached to big anime and those are the ones you always see on the sales charts not a surprise that these are the ones that did well (laughs) (laughs) and which also leads into who won the anime of the year and i think this also speaks to the power of just what we're seeing anime grow and bring in a greater audience which was an anime that wasn't actually on netflix on on crunchyroll it was on netflix it was cyberpunk edge runners which uh for those that might not have heard cyberpunk edge runners it is a anime a uh a new anime that took place in the cyberpunk uh 2099 video game world with mm-hmm. with characters that they didn't appear in the video game and they were all side character not not even side character they're just brand new characters um and that take place in that cyberpunk video game world from cg cd project red and i thought that was really cool because i know a lot of friends that aren't into anime but are love video games uh. that the, cyberpunk was really their first introduction now to to anime and also studio trigger right, right. and right. got me able to like uh recommend them like say okay you like cyberpunk edge runners let me recommend you like demon slayer or attack attack on titan and my hero academia based on your taste so i thought it was a cool thing that cyberpunk got the nod um because it, it did feel out of almost any anime that we came out last year even more so than spy x family and demon slayer that it, it did go into more like i would say mainstream of like the non-typical anime watching audience yeah it's I agree with you on that. This surprised me as well. I would not have guessed this would be the one to win. It's not one that I have seen either. And the main reason why I've not seen it is, you know, of course, what's my bias? If it's not Japanese, I'm not interested in this is half Polish. And I'm, so it immediately my bias kicked in, Kevin. I didn't watch it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but like I said, it is Studio Trigger. So it, it was true, like true. They, they did get a, a Japanese uh, anime studio yep, to do yep, this, which yep. I think is the other cool thing, because we are seeing this with even like Disney. We saw yep. with the, what they did with Star Wars Visions um, not too long ago as well, that they tapped a bunch of Japanese studio audio, yeah. um, um, studios to produce a whole series for them. And it's just I think it's really cool to see that the uh, like other companies from across the world are tapping into what it's made anime special how do we apply that to what we're doing as well and it's not just the same pixar or <laughs> a disney disney animated studios or like whatever studios are located in your home country let's yeah. tap into that i think this is a cool way to get like studio trigger more recognition yep. because you and i are, are already big fans of studio right. triggers all yeah. all their animated lineup mm-hmm. and i think this adding this helps helps them get more recognized for what we already talk about all the time at, offline Oh, yeah, this is very reminiscent of the Star Wars Visions series that we got on Disney+. Plus. This is very reminiscent of it, where you take something that's mainstream and popular and doesn't really have a relationship with anime, like Cyberpunk uh, 2077, no, no relationship with anime. So a lot of people into that don't ever watch anime. A lot of people who are into Star Wars 
don't watch anime, so it brings all this audience over. And it's 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 it, look, Star Wars Vision is you know, for my money, the best Star Wars Disney has given us, period, since they bought the franchise. So yeah. it's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, and it's a good way to get them into like and mm-hmm. like anime. And if you know the person, like I know that that's what happened with me. Like I know a lot of people that watch cyberpunk edge runners and they got into like okay yeah. and i may be interested in the anime can you recommend me any because I'm, I'm the anime guy in my in my group of friends so i was able to figure out what their taste i always know what their tastes are and yeah. be like okay watch this not everyone's gonna like my hero academia but right or or like okay you like spikes like you know like spy family or something mm-hmm. or chainsaw man or something like that because that's what you're into um, and I think it's a good avenue because we even saw this on uh, another anim- anime that Netflix put out was Arcane League of Le- the League of Legends Arcane series. Um, yeah, right. That that was another one. And I think again, yeah. just all the, like these things of like you could see that a lot more of these uh, streaming sites, especially, are tapping into anime. It seems like, um, and so mm-hmm. uh, so better late than never, I would say. Uh, yeah. No. Absolutely. Look. Japan does it the best, Kevin. <laughs> can't beat them. Join them. Hire them and get them to do your work. <laughs> the work for you. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I thought it, that was great. And like I said, it's great to see the ones that I know you and I are fans of with Spy Family, uh, Attack on Titan, and Demon Slayer winning so many awards. And then Cyberpunk Edge Runners, I think, uh, winning anime of the year. Again, it's all just showing the breadth of content. And we there are so much cool anime going on. We're living in the be- best period of that for as anime fans. So, um, now we're going to move into uh, what the manga we're reviewing. As mentioned, we're going to be reviewing the first six chapters of Guguraki Gugai uh, by Yudo Sano. Um, and Yudo Sano has an interesting kind of backstory um, from what I was able to find of, of their information. They actually, at the age of 20, they won the winner 2027 monthly Shonen uh, Sunday Magazine Newcomer Award. So Early on into their career um, in 2017, they won a good notable award in Japan. Uh, Sano went on to work as a manga assistant for uh, Show Aimato on Monster Incidents. And that's another uh, Shonen Jump Square um, manga series. And Sano worked on that for as a manga assistant, then went on to work as a manga assistant on on Deadpool Samurai by Sashiro Kasama and Hikaru Usugi. Uh, so, which I know, Rock, you and I reviewed uh, Deadpool Samurai um, at, when we first started this um, series. So it's in- interesting seeing those ties that mm-hmm. Sano has to something that we already did, but we didn't know before before right. going into this. Um, and then also Sano, like throughout since winning the award in 2017, um, has had published about five different one shots, in- including the a one-shot pilot to Guragukai, um, which was like a prototype um, one-shot that was published in 20, uh, 2020. And it got greenlit, obviously, like now we're in 2023. So while well, Sano published that the one-shot in 2020, it just kind of, again, I think that's something you and I ha- have been seeing a lot of. Like, yeah. we're seeing that sometimes these pilot one-shots are published years ago and then green- get greenlit, or sometimes they just take a long time to get development or finally published or Mega series. Uh, what what do you think of that rock for in terms of like that history? I think it's it's pretty impressive to get your own series this quickly. That says a lot about Sano's talent and ability. Uh, that's that's I mean that's pretty fast. And those are some good like the Deadpool manga you and I both liked. We th- both thought it was fun. 
it's neat to see him that he was an assistant because again they keep that hidden from us you don't know who's an assistant on what titles. not like american comic books where you know everyone who is works on every title down from you know the writer all the way to the letterer you know everybody you don't know this so it's kind of fun it's like opening up it's like it's like uh, opening up a christmas present you don't know what you're going to get when you research this manga column they get a new title right and then you find out oh they were on this title and then this title and this title so it's it's neat to see that a lot of success at a young age yeah and uh, so uh, yeah like i said uh so it seems like the, for the last six years has been working like as a manga assistant or just like uh their own uh series so again i'm guessing so they're about like 26 27 now <laughs> Yeah, um, probably. If, if that, that's what I'm reading online. Again, that, this is all just stuff I found online because right. the series to show the popularity of the series. Because, um, like I mentioned, Gukura Guy is a series that come out in Jump Square Rise, which is their uh, Suisha's like uh, a, a secondary series under the Jump Square, um, like which is a monthly magazine. And mm-hmm. that that this one is specifically targeted for one shots, like what uh, Sana was publishing, and then also for newcomers of like new mangakas that are working probably like as assistants or still getting their feet wet in, in the industry or like experienced writers as well that are like maybe light novelists and stuff like that. So there is like a wide variety of like kind of testing the ground of like series maybe yep. that Swisha doesn't know that it's going to be immediately successful. Like what we see with uh, stuff that's in their main weekly shown in jump or even mm-hmm. in jump square. Um, and so that's another thing I think you and I have been on this journey of the Manga Revolution podcast of like we've been learning so much about how things are done, especially as we're getting these series coming coming over that it's not just the weekly Shonen Jump or <laughs> Jump Square of the monthly series. It's yeah. there's a, almost different avenues to become a man- mangaka and kind of br- break through and get discovered with like especially with the one shots. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, I find all this to be incredibly fascinating. I love the I love how the sausage is made. I've always liked seeing behind closed doors of the American comic book industry, which we've known about since we were kids because we're here, obviously. But we this is always hidden to us. You know, growing up, you know, when we were getting into manga, just we just didn't get to know about how it operated in Japan because we got things after they were thoroughly feted by the Japanese reading population. They and 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 Suisha would know okay. This is a hit. Dragon Balls is really popular. So we can now give this to Viz and send it over to America. And often we'd get stuff when it was already done. So you it would come over here and you'd already have like 50 volumes of it. So we didn't know how competitive it was. What's the process that they go through to try to train the mangaka to try to figure out who has talent, who doesn't what series is going to sell, which one isn't the whole process for moving up the ranks for what you green light, what you cancel, what your expectations are, like all that we didn't see. But now because of with the Shonen Jump Plus digital service, now that we're getting day and date releases like they are in Japan, now we're beginning to see, oh, these are titles that get pushed to the top. These are titles that get canceled that we're beginning to see how they make the sausage over there in Japan. It's really fascinating to really get a sense of, wow, it's it's incredibly competitive like really competitive and it is that is that is not an easy task kevin to like suisha to run suisha it's so many different genres it's so many different manga titles it's so many different publications that's a big job and uh it's 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 amazing how they how they handle everything 
Yeah, and I think another interesting thing to note too is that, um, like I mentioned earlier, was that Gukura Gukai is a series that the first one shot came out in 2020, mm-hmm. which we know that that was the pandemic period yep. and everything. And so it has been three years since that one shot came out. So uh-huh. um, I don't know how normally it is. It doesn't seem like it's that long. It's usually like a year that they get for the one shot right. instead of three years. So that's right. It is interesting to see that this one got three years. Obviously, probably like the pandemic, we've been seeing a lot more of like, this backlog of content yeah. of like and it's not just hitting the manga industry we see it with comic books even like comic books that were announced two years ago are finally coming out now and all that stuff because of delays in publications and it doesn't fit our public publishing schedule and the same thing with movies and tv uh, we're still kind of dealing with mm-hmm. like things that may have fallen through the cracks or in development and stuff like that finally coming out or um and things like that because there's such a backlog right now and i and that at which which sucks because you know we're still missing out on a lot of things that we were so excited for but it's just interesting to see that this one after three years finally got its shot to start publication or actually two years because it it actually did come out in uh july of 2022 in japan so this is a series that is already in the middle of publication that's why we got six uh six chapters released right away what's also interesting i like the i like see i love that that switches they use the one shot format as kind of like, all right, impress me. Give me mm-hmm. your best stuff. And then maybe you get a series because I think one shots are criminally uh, underappreciated, at least over here in the States. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, is to see what the mega cop focuses on in the one shot to sell their series versus what we get with the series. I you know, in chapter one. Yeah, in chapter one of like what we get in the official chapter one because the, right, the right. one shots are usually like the chapter zero or like yeah uh, because they're they're usually an outline this is our domain world and stuff like mm-hmm. that whether it's introducing the main action to me and a couple main characters and stuff like that so yeah so it's very interesting to see that they have this pilot program like where like you could like we even hear about shows that have a pilot that never goes yep. unaired it's like that unaired pilot for a tv show um and to the credit for Gukuraka Gai is that the series, um, like I mentioned before, it was already at uh, five chapters before the sixth chapter came out this month in Japan, and they uh, put out all six chapters. And a big reason why is because Gukuraka Gai is a series that has been incredibly popular and growing in popularity in Japan that just in the first three days of release, for example, back in November 2022, it um the first three days, it sold uh, 15,000 copies of its first volume, um, which, again, it, for a new series, the, the collection was for the first three chapters of the series, um, and it sold over 15,000 copies. And not only that, but since February 14th, which I just saw um, Sana put out a tweet about it, was that it's already gone through three different printings of the first volume. So it's already in its third reprinting right now. So it's in fourth print already. So it just showing that it's already sold really extremely well in Japan and it, it is catching at least in the Japanese audience's attention, um, which is a good sign for it. I'm not again, I don't know what the sales totals are. All I could find was the first three days it's selling over 15,000 copies. But again, it's just a good sign that uh, no matter what the number is, that Suisha saw a lot of potential in this series that um they would even translate the first six chapters for us right away so that we're caught up with this the series so that like next month we're going to get chapter seven the same time that japan gets it yeah, which is 
Awesome. See, this is what makes me so happy. I'm so appreciative of how Swisha is now treating the North America market. This is that I I really am very 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 appreciative of this. They are making an effort to say, hey, let's get the U.S. included in everything. Let's not just focus on Japan first, and then oh well, U.S. will get to you or whatever. No, they're making a real concerted effort to say, okay, if something's hot in Japan, let's not only just bring it over to the U.S., but let's. Let's get them right up to speed as soon as we can so they are on the same day and date release as Japan. That is so cool. I love that we've got all six chapters, so we're all caught up to speed, and now we can just get – we'll get the next chapters right in line with Japan. I love that, that Swish is really, really making an honest effort in doing this. Yeah, and I think the other cool thing about this is that, like I mentioned before, this is was, isn't a series in Weekly Shonen Jump. This isn't a mm-hmm. series in Jumps, the Jump Square right. Monthly Magazine. This is in Jump Square Rise, um, which right. is – uh, like the tertiary or like a third or fourth magazine that Swisher yeah. publishes. So we're getting kind of deeper in the weeds of things that are getting published over there, which is, I think, a good sign for us of like, maybe we will get more exposed to newer creators as well, because we just got exposed to a, a new creator last year with um, with with the series that we reviewed last week as well. And now we're getting this. And so I think we're seeing a lot of cool new talent. And then also just comparing how like that beginning rise, like, whether this is successful or not, which Gukurakai, uh, from everything I've been reading, is probably like one of their most successful new series that they've introduced with a new creator. Um, and I think that's just a cool thing because, again, we don't get this very often. And we are like, while it sucks that like a lot of series like last year, I know you and I complained of, or like lamented of like, <laughs> man, there's some series that we fell in love with. Yeah. Only lasted 20 chapters or 23 chapters or however many chapters it was and then got canceled. And that, it was really our first experience with that. But I think it's also exciting because we're along for this ride of like, hey, you know what? Let's see. Let's is it going to catch our interest? That, um, and which we'll talk about here for this series um, coming up. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kevin, because I think it's awesome that even though this is the Shonen Jump Plus digital service, I think it's so cool that we're not just getting stuff from their flagship magazine. They're like, nope, if it's something's hot and it's on a tertiary magazine we will throw it onto the digital service yes please and thank you more of that it's very cool yeah and again just showing the wide variety because even if this series maybe does yeah. re- remind us of something like we already were already reading i think it's just a good thing to just for exposure yeah. just to show that in japan there is more of a variety uh, in terms of uh avenues for creators to come out because we're also seeing how um just talking about the competitive side of things that Swaysha and Kondansha and other and even like Square Enix, they're green lighting also light novels as well as like light novels are getting adaptions because there's so many more avenues to kind of just like with comic books now, like we're seeing it here there's a lot of, I think a lot of good comparisons with how American comic books compared to like Japanese comic books with manga mm-hmm. there's so much competition of not just now just, oh, manga creators going to create their own stuff. We're also going to be adapting things and I think we're seeing a lot of cool, interesting mixes of that right now uh, coming over to the States now that because it's really our the last five, six years hasn't been the way you and I probably grew up experiencing manga for, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite different. Great time to be a manga fan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, just getting into that, the first chapter for Gukuro Kage. Hopefully I'll get it by the end of this episode. Um, but anyway, I'm not even going to try it, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the first chapter, just to give a brief overview, the, um, the series uh, starts off where we meet uh, our two two main leads. Um, the, our first main lead is uh, 
male character named Alma, who's a half demon, half human, uh, working with his human boss uh, named Tao. Uh, they work as troubleshoot uh, at the troubleshooters office in the Gukuraku district, and um, they're they're called troubleshooters because they there's to the public they're seen as problem solvers and people that take up odd jobs, but in reality, they're actually um, their true purpose is that they're paid for to exterminate uh, demons in the world. And these demons are known as MAGA. So I know for American audiences they, that that taps into a certain <laughs> a certain uh, uh, word. So, but MAGA usually uh, is another term for demons um, in other cultures, including Japan. So, so that's one reason why they use it. I'm not sure if it's a dig on American audiences, but or like the United States in terms in terms of how we use the word here. But um, just for everybody else to know that this is uh, a term that's used to classify a classification for demons in other yep. cultures. Um, yep. So, and that that leads into one of our things of like uh, even almost says in this chapter of like I'm a I'm a MAGA killer and like stuff like yeah, that. So, yeah. but again, well, he's he's half MAGA, yeah. half human. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so we have we have that. So, like this is another. It seems like the MAGA is a term for demons yeah. in the yeah. uh, in this world that specifically is which we've seen in other um, series that they use their own terms that also tap yeah. into like the Japanese culture of like other phrases for demons in it but in general just so you know that they're basically demon hunters in this um yeah. and uh rock what let's talk about the world first because again i because it's i would say it's very generic in terms of this is an introduction chapter like what would you would expect of like the we get with alma and tau um we get a couple supporting characters um not too much because this is just a focus on mostly Alma for the most part, but what did you think of how they, uh, Sano set up the world for this series in the first chapter? I liked how, uh, he set up the, the world. I thought he did a pretty solid job. It's nothing. It's nothing crazy. What I like about it is you get a sense of the actual, you get a sense of the actual city that we're in. You get lots of shots of the city. You get a lot of, uh, street shots. You get a lot of, you know, locales, whether it's a shrine or a restaurant, you really feel or a park. I mean, you really feel like you are rooted inside this city. You get a real sense of this city that they live in. It's kind of a, a little run down, a, a little it's big, but it's a little run down, a little little shifty in certain areas. And that, I think, helps really establish the world that we're in, the physical world that we're mm. in. And then I think we get a good sense for the role our characters play within this world and that this is a world that while uh, the city is very realistic and grungy and dirty, this is a world where the fantastic also exists because you do, in fact, have the demons. Yeah, and I think uh, th this world just kind of feels lived in. I don't think I we yeah. said that for other mangas um, that we've been reading is that right. It just like even though we don't see a lot of people, I think uh, one one thing that Sano really does capture is that this feels like an, a world that's alive, that yeah. is not just stuck to one location. Because we see other other mangas that again, it's not a criticism of them that, that that's their focus, right. but it's usually focused on a school or yes. like one or two locations. Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. But sometimes that that does make the world feel empty. You're not sure about the entire world. Yeah. Um, and I think what Sano did right out of the gate with uh, this first chapter, um, and again, they get about 70 pages or so for yep. this first chapter. Um, so it does give them time. And I think um, which we'll see as a trend for the rest of the series as a monthly series that um, I think it just does such a good job of like 
okay, yeah, these two characters are part of the world. It's not that the world is centered around them, but they're just part of the world. And I think that's a, a much better way to introduce us to just the series in general instead of like, um, and also the main characters. I think it sets up the main characters for Alma and uh, Tao really well because even Alma and Tao, their characters that kind of their personalities are already shaped in this. Like, yes, they're not, they're right. not like, <laughs> they're not brand new characters who's, no. Uh, who are going doesn't feel like necessarily that they're going to change over time that they've been existing for a long time they've been working as troubleshooters for a while their their personalities almost feel like and we get this in the rest of the uh six chapters their personalities are pretty pretty much set in stone almost which which kind of leads into more of this being action heavy and just even more relationship heavy of like yes uh with with alma just being this energetic hungry character that just wants to fight like he's the the battle hungry character whereas Tao is more the cool level headed but she's also has her own battle hungry of like and also both of them what they have really in common is that they're all about the money and I think that I thought that was a very interesting thing of pushing this because they're like when they get a job they're like it's 300,000 yen give us the 300,000 yen no negotiation when even like the person tries to negotiate with them they're like it's not up to negotiation. I said that that was the price. That is the price. And I thought that was a interesting way that both of them, like, it's not even that they're nope. doing a comedy, but this is just who they are. Like, and it's bo- both of them. So I thought that like, you're seeing how like they both balance each other out, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. No, they are. I, they make a great team. I like that. We don't, we don't waste any time because they are, are so fully formed right out of the box you get an immediate sense of their full personalities. You get immediate sense of how they operate together as a team, both just, you know, just in their civilian life and in action, you get a good sense of both, which I think is really important. Sometimes you only get one of the other in a first chapter, but we got how they operate together in both settings, which is important. I like that. Alma is no doubt he he is very much uh, a, a traditional uh, shonen manga protagonist. There's no doubt about it. He has a lot of energy. He is very impulsive. He likes to fight. He is also at the same time extremely nice, extremely friendly, extremely naive as well, and a little simple minded. So he fits that he fits and, and he's very overpowered. So he fits that mold very well. Then you have Miss Tao who has much more you can tell she's more experienced she is way calmer way more reserved she's got a poker face that you're not going to read at all and she maintains that poker face even when she's with alma not that you don't you know they're close it's just her persona even though she's close to alma and she does like alma very very much and she feels very responsible for him as his caretaker essentially but she's Got the poker face all the time. And so you, it's a good blend of the naive. Uh, not that I, I don't want to call him dumb. He's naive and impulsive, quick to fight character with the more calm, cool, collected, calculated character. I would say he's more just like kind of like Goku and very much in yes. a lot of ways where yes. he. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just a, like even Tao too, like because they mm-hmm. both are like, and this is how you could tell that they're both main characters is that they both have are super hungry, just like yeah. Saiyans are, like they want to eat all the time, yep. and yep. everybody's surprised of how much they both put away. Uh, so that just mm-hmm. shows you 
they're both main characters. It's not just yep. Alma that's the lead character because that's always yep. a trait. Um, which I thought it was it was a funny thing when they were at that Robin shop. Um, mm-hmm. and but but yeah, it, it, it with Alma just reminded me a lot of Goku in a lot of ways of the way he acts of like very simple. And then also with in terms of Tao, I think. To, to be honest, um, that, and this was another thing I was impressed with. Just uh, Sano's artwork, I think we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. Of like the art art style, I think the the character designs are very cool because yes. Alma is what you would expect from a Shonen Jump uh, protagonist. But I like that with Tao, she is mm-hmm. not what you would expect from a, a another female lead character. She's not a character that you've seen in other manga series. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I liked is that. With Alma, his character design is very typical Shonen uh, Jump protagonist. Whereas with yeah. Tao, she almost feels more like a comic character with how detailed she is. Very, she reminds yes. me a lot of like everything with her character. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if this happened with Sana when inspired to with the characters, but she reminded me a lot of like Black Widow and like <laughs> a lot of these other secret agent type characters uh-huh. um, just because of how how she she's portrayed she she's given a lot more detail so she stands out right away like even when i first saw like even the cover i was like i kind of want just the series to be about her and it like how she acted the rest of the first chapter just confirmed like man how could be just the series lead by herself and i I would be highly interested in it it's i'll tell you what she reminded her character design because you're right there's no doubt elma very very traditional character design for a shonen manga and that's not a criticism i like his look don't get me wrong he looks good but I would say when I saw Tao's character design, it's a very cool character design. She's got the cool braid, super long hair, braided up, the glasses. She's always smoking. She, her whole costume design, she's wears. She's like Michael Jackson. She's got one black glove on. Um, and uh, but but her design reminded me a lot. And she's you know got you know it's got for me. I was like, she looks like a Street Fighter character. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Right, that's what that's what came to my mind immediately. It's like she looks like she just hopped out of Street Fighter. Like so, her, her, she has like the cami braid and stuff like that, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And so I just, I, I just, I really like the design design for both characters, each in their own very unique way. I thought both were very visually appealing, and the two of them, when you combine the two of them, they're dis- they're very mm-hmm. unique, distinct looks because they they don't look like. Like uh, like how you say a lot of a lot of manga, if there's if it stars a male and female character in a shonen manga, they almost have a complementary look to each other in terms of their designs. And here, I like that. No, they have their very unique looks from each other, and I like yeah. that because it it makes them more interesting when you see them together, and it also highlights the differences. And I also appreciate that we have a character lead where we do have the typical teenager, but then we also have like an adult character as well. Yes, like yes, even the adult teenagers, like, and that, that's yeah. what like makes like even when I go back to like My Hero Academia, Eraserhead yeah. is such a standout character because yes. he is the adult in the room. It's yep. not like All Might or anybody else, but he is a specifically like adult in the room that tells the all, all our series leads. Uh, the job and their training and all this stuff. I think he is such a standout character because of that, uh, being that mentor. And Tal reminds me, in terms of like what type of character she she is, reminds me of Eraserhead in that way of like, she is a standout character because she is not a typical character we get in a Shonen Jump of like th- this uh, this adult character that who's even like just this clear badass because we do get, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, we get it, Eraserhead and then we get Kakashi and Naruto. Mm-hmm. But I think that like whenever we get these type of adults that are allowed to be series leads yes. you could 
I, it, it adds so much more value to what we get in other cities where like the adults are usually like the side characters for the most part and in, in, in most man- in, in traditional manga. Well, I totally agree. And I'm that's what appealed uh, what appealed to me with Tao's character is that we're, we're not getting two teenagers. That's something totally different. She is an adult and she's not the adult in a sideline advisory capacity only, you know, where we only see her when Alma goes back to HQ and or and and, and gets some advice to her and then goes back in the field. No, she's actually a full partner co-protagonist who goes in the field with them you're right it's not what we get a lot of at all an adult character in this role and i love it i i I think it's fantastic and that kind of leads into the rest of the series because rock i'm not sure did like from everything you're saying it seems like the first chapter did make you buy into reading the rest of the series is that would that be correct yeah absolutely i read all six chapters (laughs) yeah so in terms of like the rest of six chapters i think one thing that really did surprise me in this is that for the rest of the um, five chapters that we read is that it really followed the um, lead of the first chapter of like, we're going to just be setting up the rest of the world. And yep. and uh, every chapter, while it did have like some cliffhanger endings in a couple of them, for the most part, every chapter was kind of like a standalone adventure or like standalone introduction of certain character, like other supporting mm-hmm. characters in the series or other characters that will probably become part of the main cast. Right, and I thought that was an interesting uh, take where we're not getting really a story arc. This is just an intro story arc of like individual chapters are. You could almost read them individually and get the uh, what's going on instead of like, oh yeah, now we got the first chapter out of the way. Now let's get into our first main story arc of like introducing the next big bad or Mm -hmm. anything like that. It doesn't feel like we got that in in these six chapters. Yeah, I agree with you. You read chapters one through six; they very, they are very much standalone chapters. Every single one of them. Now, they do, they do build off each other, mainly with chapter three, where we get to meet uh, Yoru, and Yoru is the strangler, and but even when we meet him, that chapter three is still a self-contained story. Now it ends with. Yoru being clearly put into place to be a long range story because we don't solve our heroes don't solve the fact that he's the strangler killing the women right we don't solve it so it's a long term arc but but chapter three in itself even though it doesn't solve that it is a fully self-contained story and I like that approach that that all these chapters are giving you fully contained stories while still setting into place some longer range plot lines that's really really good writing yeah and i think again i think that's what just stood out to me is that we don't really get this type of one-shot storytelling in in any other manga or like or um usually it's like a two-part even if like it's the beginning of a series it's usually like oh let's like after the first chapter because we got the intro out of the way the second and third or uh second through fifth chapter will be like our real introduction story arc yep um so that that's what made uh this stand out so much and i like that focus because then we were able to focus on like you said yaru or yoki um that we get introduced to or like the other like um troubleshooters of like i I like them of like of i believe it was chapter two and three where we started getting into also with dara who was like who works at the snake pit the snake pit headquarters that's which is another other troubleshooter headquarters Mm -hmm. um and she's like a doctor we get introduced to um 
Yoki as well, who's a dog beastman. I think uh, Yoki was a good introduction of showing us, yes. hey, there's these characters that are beastmen or mm-hmm. can be considered demons, but they're actually just regular people. So there's a cl- different classifications of like there's beastmen, then there's the MAGA demons. Right. And so that so there is different people that exist in this world, I think. And that's what a uh, good purpose of like even Yoki and Yoki's personality in general. He's a good, yeah. n- a nice character. But I think it's just showing you that there's a variety of types of like in other series you could maybe consider demons. But I like that they're yeah. using Beastmen in this series, too, because like, we get introduced to other side characters that are Beastmen as well or yes. like half Beastmen. Um, and right. so I thought that, that that's an important thing to also do. Uh, put into distinction that there are other types of supernatural beings in this world as well yeah i like that i like that we have the beastmen because they're you're right there's yoki who is kind of, he's basically the, he's the benefactor of the whole troubleshooter organization he's the money that that runs the whole operation evidently because he's yeah and, like, and it also like develops weapons for tau and also yep. like gets intel for her and alma so he's like mm-hmm. he's that q type he's basically q yep. in this Yep. Yep. And then you've got and then you have the you meet that one kid, uh, Yuki, who is also like a, a half human, half animal kind of beast person. So I like that you start to see them, you know, peppered into this world of supernatural. So it's not just demons. We also have some other supernatural creatures as well, but they can be good. So it, it's kind of fleshes out the supernatural side of of this of this world that we're in. I like that. I loved uh, I thought Dara and Yoki were both nice additions. And I like Kevin. I like that. What do they do every time a troubleshooter comes back uh, to the HQ? They give him hugs. That's so <laughs> sweet, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's also a good thing because it, it's um, trust. I think it shows a good trust of the reader of like, yeah. I'm going to have these two characters with Dara and Yoki specifically. And they're just acting like normal. This isn't out of the yeah. ordinary. Um, and I think that gets you into the frame of mind of this world. Like, I think that's more really good world building of like, say, hey, uh, Yoki as a beastman, he's just a normal person of like this world. He's not like new right. into it. Like, he is right. our Q. And it just gets you in the, the frame of mind as a reader. Okay. So there's these other types of creatures in this world. And it's, they're just a normal part of the world. They're not, it's not like, oh man, you should be surprised about this or, uh, they're just friends. They're friends with Alma and Tower, like co- co-workers. Right. Uh, so, and I think that that's a good way of just introducing, again, fur- further world, world building without being in your face about it. And yeah. you just being like immersed in the world, immersed in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is really what stood out to me in the f- six chapters. And I think all these characters being so calm made the introduction of Nay, who gets introduced, I believe, in chapter five, yep. um, as like the rival character and like little like sister character to yeah. Alma, I think because she right. wants to impress Tao so much, she mm-hmm. stood out even more because everybody else kind of only Alma was that like character that was at 10. And now we have another right. character that's at 10 in terms of personality, whereas mm-hmm. everybody else is common. I think that was a good way to introduce even her character of mm-hmm. um because she is kind of almost that necessary wild card, it feels like. Yeah, I like Nate when they introduce her, it's perfect. She's she's very bratty and needs a lot of attention so you you can tell she knows she's cute and wants you to tell her she's cute and she wants you to tell she does a great job and so super bratty but you like her anyway she's got a great character design as well also very different from both alma and uh tau as well so now you've got your three troubleshooters and each three of them have a very unique and different design 
which I like. It's very cool. Uh, so she's she's a nice addition, I think, to the to the group of troubleshooters. I liked her. It, it and she's also you know, very sweet with Yoki and Dara as well. And she just wants to, you know, get all the attention from Miss Tao. So I think it's a very good, a good addition. It gives it gives Alma needs a character that is closer to his age that he can have that brother sister relationship with because it's more of a I'm not going to say a it's not a mother son relationship at all with Tao. It's more like a big sister, uh, a big sister, big, big sister right? or aunt or aunt, aunt maybe or, yeah like something like that yeah yeah um, but but and that that also gets into like what I like about this is that. This didn't re- really remind me of any other manga other than Jujutsu Kaisen, because I think Jujutsu Kaisen, one thing that I liked about that manga series was that we get introduced to a lot of characters that are, are already trained. There's characters that are a little bit older that yeah. already have have um, training um, going into this series, and but they're not super overpowered. And like while the, these first six chapters, it does seem like Alma and, and Nei uh, are specifically overpowered in terms of how their fighting abilities are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like that it, and they don't uh sana doesn't go overboard with how how kind of overpowered what they are so it does seem like yep. okay yeah they've been fighting just typical demons so far but l- mm-hmm. now that went like hopefully when we get into like chapter seven or or, or in the future when once we get into introduced into the big threats and to actual mm-hmm. like threats that are not like because I, I think that's my one criticism of this that like all the demons here are just generic demons um yes. we don't get introduced into okay. like I wish we got like kind of like Chainsaw Man, where we got introduced to like smarter demons that actually had like agency and not just there to be cannon fodder for our right. um, kind of like a Power Ranger putties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like that's one thing that I do hope for that like now going into chapter seven next month that we start getting introduced to a little bit smarter demons um, who have are are a little bit more complex than just cannon fodder for Nay and Alma. Yeah, the demons are are it is. <laughs> It's kind of like the Putty Patrol. You're right. <laughs> the demons that we meet, they're they're pretty low level, and you kind of get a sense that they're pretty low level. I do like, though, even though we don't get any higher level demons, and that that's a legit criticism. What we do get, I do like that. That it's, I do like that. Sano goes, hey, it's not just demons who are going to be the bad guys. We also do get to meet Yoru, who is the Strangler, who has some type of supernatural powers. And his mysterious friend, Yomi. We don't know what powers he has, but he's obviously supernatural. He's obviously evil. Okay. And then we also meet in chapter six, the young girl who is, we're not, she, she's connected with the death of various men in an area where they've been bitten to death. So we don't know exactly what she is either. And, and it'll be interesting too with like Yomi, um, because we got in so many like like I mentioned before how manga is connected to demons in other cultures. Mm-hmm. Yomi, the name Yomi, instantly mm-hmm. we've seen this that name so many times in other series, where that's a name usually applied to the afterlife as well. So right. like, you, it does immediately for me having such like having read so many manga and watched anime, mm-hmm. like. It does make me wonder how how connected that character is to like the, all the stuff that's going around is. Is he the? It seems like he is being set up as the kind of main villain for, yeah. um, for the next for when we do get into a, a big story arc for the series, and I do wonder if we're going to be playing into more of like the afterlife stuff as well in the series. Yeah, I think that's 
I think that could be very well the direction that we're headed to. But and I like and that's that's why I was a little forgiving of the Putty Patrol esque <laughs> demons and not getting bigger power demons because we did get some non demons who were inserted as as future threats too. So and I like the variety. That's kind of cool. So that was neat. I also, Kevin, what I really liked in the in the first six chapters is not only does Sano build out our three troubleshooters and then our two support staff in Yoki and Adara back at the HQ. We also get, which I think is great, we get to meet uh, uh, what's his name, Tats Tatsuomi, who is the inf- who is their informant, the guy who they buy information from, and he's kind of sleazy and scuzzy, but you like him anyway. He also, Kevin, has a very unique look to him as well, which sets him off from everybody else. Thumbs up to there, and then we get to meet. Yaya, the waitress, and Auntie, the owner of the restaurant that Yaya works at. So, I mean, we we flesh out not just the characters in the troubleshooting organization, but we flesh out the characters that kind of su- surround and support them in the city itself, which also helps, again, this world feels very lived in. We're not just constrained to the HQ for the troubleshooters and the people who work as troubleshooters. No, it's the city. You're in you walk around the city and and you focus on the people in this restaurant and you have, you know, uh, Matsumi getting information from around the city. You it really helps to make the entire city the setting for the yeah, story. And, I, and I think that at, at the end of the day, I think that like while the writing is good, I think the yeah. artwork is what really stands out so much of the series. Yes. And what what I what I leave like these first six chapters of like the oh. artwork is really so good of setting up the entire world where you get their the character personalities, you get what yes. the world is, how lived in it yes. is, um, and everything from the artwork itself. And I think that is what I was most impressed by, by um in terms of Sano's work throughout these first six chapters. The art is phenomenal, Kevin. All of the characters are wonderfully drawn. They really are. Everyone looks fantastic. Even small characters, small supporting characters are drawn beautifully. Every character has a great design. Every character looks incredible. There are so much detail packed into every panel, Kevin. This is not a manga where it's basically just the characters and blank panel behind them. There are tons and tons of panels, Kevin, where you see the streetscape, the city block, the buildings, the businesses, everything around them. The the when you're in side rooms, you see the detail of the restaurant or the or the office that they're in. It every panel has so much detail. It gives you that rich sense of the world that we're in, and it's beautifully drawn. So your characters are beautiful. The setting is beautiful. The panels are so wonderful. The demons look cool. My only complaint, my only complaint, and it was only for about five chapters, Kevin, and honestly, I thought I was cracking up like I was hallucinating. But in chapter, I believe it's chapter three, there is a battle in the shrine where Tao and Alma take on some of the demons, and the art's gorgeous, 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 right? And then the demons pop out, fight begins, and Kevin, it's like barely drawn. Like you can see the lines in like Alma and Tao's face where you know how you sketch a character out with just the bubbles and the lines to, you know what I mean? And the demons are barely drawn and it's horrendous. And then once the fight ends, bam, you're back to beautiful art again. And that is the only time I saw that. And I was like, was there like a deadline? Was yeah. there? Yeah, was he late on a deadline? He was like, 
I just got to finish this. So we're not going to really draw this one fight scene because it never happened again. Kevin, anywhere in the six chapters, it was literally only this like seven page scene. And that's it. Very strange. Other yeah. than that, darts gorgeous. Yeah, for and for sure. I think um, overall, I, I was very impressed. I think this does show me what you could do with the extra 10, like 10 to 20 yes. pages that he gets, because yes. this series does like um, the second chapter is about 53 pages. The, yep. the I think the fourth chapter is about or the third chapter is about 39 pages. So we usually like this the first six chapters get between 30 to 50 uh, pages. So it is more than That's the right. typical like 70 to 20. I believe that most manga gets. Um, right. like that you get in the weekly shonen jump so uh I, I overall i think it does such a good job with maximizing the page count that they get yeah, and yeah. overall i'm very impressed and i think this is a series that i'm immediately adding to my read list um yes. from everything i'm hearing about from how excited you are about this i, I feel like you got the same you feel the same way love 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 this series the writing is fantastic the characters are cool and the art is i'm telling you people check it out the art is just gorgeous yeah, awesome. And, uh, and I think that's really where we could end it, unless you have any final thoughts of like things we didn't go over rock uh, for, for, for this uh, uh, new nope, series. I'm just glad that Swish has given us this uh, this manga. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, it's and by great. the way, Kevin, I'm huh? fine with a 30-day schedule if I get stories that are this well-written and this beautifully drawn. I'm yeah. fine with it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, again, uh, like I mentioned before, this is part of the Jump Q rise, so it's very cool that we're finally getting all, all these mangas coming out here um, and um, and we're getting the variety that that like Japanese audiences are seeing as well. So hopefully this continues and we get more of these type of series because um, and I definitely recommend everybody reading this because like we need more of these type of series that are, are shown in other of the magazines, not just the two main Wait, ones. Kevin, we got before you leave, we got to oh. tell everyone that uh, when you read this. There is chapters one, two, three, four, five, six, but there is a chapter five point one. And oh, it's yeah. because you're right, all the rest are really big between, you know, well, the first chapter is 70 some pages, but all the rest are, you know, between 50 and 30 pages. But chapter 5.1, it's maybe, I don't know, what is it, like 15 pages? It's very short. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, and it's just them on a day off, getting some food. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and o- overall, like that all just feeds into how fun this series is. And yeah, yeah. Um, again, looking forward to it, and definitely had added to my reading list. But um, yeah, and I think that's really where we'll end this uh, episode. Uh, Rock, thank you again for uh, joining me in the, on on this, and um, hopefully everyone has a good uh, rest of your day.